Welcome to Rivers in the Desert International, a revival ministry dedicated to bringing the living waters of God's love to a hurting and dying world. It is our desire as you listen to the following message that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and that you would be ignited into a fervency for Jesus. This is the day to be filled with the knowledge of His glory as the waters cover the sea. God is doing something new on planet Earth today, and you and I have the great privilege to be a part of it. We love you. Be blessed. from the original Hebrew, putting emphasis on some words, turn it upside down a little bit, (laughs) just to ignite you that uh, what's going on in the service upstairs right now? There is a service going on upstairs in the realm of glory. The grandstands of heaven are looking down upon these saints of New Orleans, not the ones across the road there. This is the saints here, hallelujah. And there's frolicking and there's sporting going on in the realms of glory. And Jesus, our master, said, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let's get a little picture through the glass that we see through dimly what's going on upstairs on this blessed morning. Hallelujah. Psalms 126, I'm reading from the New American Standard. When the Lord brought back the captive ones of Zion, we are like those who dream, those who go into a trance. Then our mouth was filled with riotous laughter and our tongue with... Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. Restore our captivity, O Lord. Restore our desolation. Restore our land. Restore the time that used to be Ichabod. For the glory departed. Restore our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the Negev, the raging seasonal floods in the south country. Those who sow in tears shall reap with... carrying his bag of seed shall indeed come again with a shout of joy. (laughs) Bringing his sheaves with him. Now those words in the Hebrew in verse 2 in verse 5 and verse 6 It's the Hebrew word rina, R-I-N-A-H, transliterated. See, the the Psalter, the, the Psalms of Israel were not nice choreographed pieces. Israel's praise and worship was more like 
ear-ringing cries of jubilation. And this... Hallelujah. This word, rena, can be translated singing. It's translated shouting. To be scriptural, this word has to reach a certain decibel level. a certain decibel level in your ears. It has to ring your ears to be scriptural. Hallelujah. Well, Jehoshaphat and Israel was surrounded by the armies. <laughs> Second Chronicles 20. And the word of the Lord came and said, don't worry, just stand still and see the salvation, the Yeshua of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat took the word of the prophet, sent out the praisers, and they went out praising, saying, Hadu Ladonai Kitov, Kilalam Hasdo. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is tender. Mercies are everlasting. And they went out there, and the Lord sent ambushments, and they destroyed one another, the enemy. And it was three days in taking the spoil. There's a key phrase as they went out praising the Lord. They weren't just singing, they were renying this Hebrew word. They went out. He's good! He's good! Oh, do not Oh! This is the shout. This is the clap of thunder that connects with earth. When it comes up from God's people. Whew. And they say, brother, that's kind of extreme. We need two or three references for that. I'm glad you asked. Turn to Zephaniah chapter 3. <laughs> Zephaniah chapter 3. This is just appetizer. This is just buffalo wings. This is just the beginning, folks. I believe in reading my Bible literally. Amen.
Zephaniah chapter 14. Ah! O daughter of Zion, shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all of your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away his judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You'll not fear disaster. No more. Say no more. No more. No more. <laughs> in that day to be said to Jerusalem, then am I afraid, O Zion? Let not your hands fall limp. The Lord your God is in your midst. A victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He'll be quiet in his love. He'll rejoice over you with rena, with singing, ear-ringing cries of jubilation. Ephesians 5 says we should be followers of God, imitators. So if Abba Papa is up there screaming his lungs out for us, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallelujah. <laughs> look, look, at, look at the two lights. You know, God is light. Look at the two spectrums of light. It says he'll be quiet in his love. The new Jewish publication society translates that as he'll soothe you in his love. He'll quieten you in his love. Just, there's times of just being metamorphosized, marinated. Just, he makes me lie down beside still waters. And the other end of the spectrum is God rejoices over us with Rena. Say that, Rena. Ear ringing cries of jubilation. This is the war cry of Abba. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, we're glad to be here. We've uh, been looking forward to coming here for a long time, ever since Pastor Frank called us. And uh, it's my wife, Dalit. Honey, won't you just stand up and say hi to the people? <laughs> We'll just share just briefly a little bit about us. I don't like to talk about us very much. I like to talk about him. Amen. Amen. But just so, because we're going to be drinking, and those who you drink with become intimate with. So, uh, oh, I'm drunk. <laughs> Whew. Jesus, help me to this day. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you're like... You're one drop away from being totally inebriated. <laughs> we used to pastor in New York City several moons ago. And uh, the Lord sent us there. My wife, we're both from Jewish backgrounds. My wife actually was, is from Israel. She speaks four languages. Russian, Hebrew, English, and unknown tongues. <laughs> and we just, you know, we're radical. We love Jesus. And we got saved. And we met in 1988 and got married and had five kids. Fifth one on the way now. Praise the Lord. And, you know, we just love Jesus. And the Lord said, would you go to New York City? I'm, I've called many of my choice servants to New York, and they've turned a shoulder to the call because it's too difficult. And the harvest is being lost. And I said, here am I. Send me. And so we did a bungee jump into the belly of the earth, Brooklyn. <laughs> and it was during that time we began to do uh, just massive street outreaches among the Jewish people. 
and the Orthodox, and there was hundreds of thousands of Russian Jews coming in from the former Soviet Union that have never heard the gospel the first time. And we began to witness to them and, and uh, seeing many of them you know, accepting the Lord. We'd show the Jesus, uh, Jesus film one night, have 400 Russian Jews there. Almost all of them would get saved in one night. Just an incredible harvest. But I began to cry out, Lord, there must be more. We began to get a lot of persecution. We used to get 12 New York City police officers with barricades. And a paddy wagon used to pull up to guard the front doors of our Sunday morning service. <laughs> Actually, it was Saturday morning service. Because we'd have hundreds of protesters, Orthodox Jews out there, wanting to put my wife and I in body bags. And I used to cry out, Lord, there must be more. There must be more. There must be more to this. Hallelujah. And somebody gave us a tape of this crazy guy, Rodney Howard Brown. And, uh, and I knew it was God when I saw it. And so we decided to take a break with $100 in our pocket. We decided to drive the 93 Louisville camp meeting. And Brother Rodney didn't know who we were from Adam. and just called us out and, you know, and saw our name tag, said Brooklyn. And he said, the Jews need signs and wonders in New York City. And we went back to Brooklyn and nothing happened. <laughs> but I knew it was God. I'm telling you, I knew it was God. I knew God spoke to encourage us. And so the next nine months, nothing happened. And... May of 1995, I got really hungry for God, and I started, I went into a, a, I took a bungee jump. Hallelujah. I said, Lord, there's got to be more than this. And after six weeks of uh, frontal lobotomy, (laughs) I hit an underground aquifer, the secret springs of his presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord has told us wherever we go, whatever morning service it's going to be, to teach on that, on how to find the secret place of the Most High. How to to find that place in your car. How to find that place just driving around. Hallelujah. How to find that place. Psalms 91. And I heard the sweet, small voice of the Lord speak to me. He said, son, I want you to take yourself and your wife and five others from your church and go and stand in front of the false Messiah's headquarters in Brooklyn. At that time, his name was Rabbi Menachem Schneerson. Um, Lubavitch rabbi, considering himself to be the Messiah, many of the followers proclaiming him to be the Messiah. In downtown Brooklyn, all around the world, Lubavitch houses, Kabad houses around the college campuses were proclaiming this guy to be the Messiah. He had falsely prophesied about the Gulf War. The Gulf War happened just as he prophesied. I'll tell you more of the testimony later. But the Lord told us to stand in front of his headquarters with this fresh, secret anointing. Hallelujah. And to blow the shofar at 7 o'clock that night as all the Jewish people were coming out of their synagogues, we began to blow the shofar. Men to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah. I had no idea we were getting involved with, folks. I had no idea. I didn't want to get martyred. I actually wanted to blow the shofar down the street. And my wife says, uh-uh, no way. You're going to go right in front of the front doors at the headquarters. So we pulled in the front, blew the shofar at 7 o'clock that night, and then went to all the major synagogues throughout Brooklyn, telling that Jesus is the Messiah, that Schneerson's a false Messiah. Get ready, Jesus is coming soon, and finished at 10.30. Woke up the next morning, and the whole Orthodox Jewish community worldwide was stunned, because this man who they considered to be the Messiah suffered a cardiac arrest at 60 seconds after we blew the shofar and then suffered a second cardiac arrest at 10.30 the moment we stopped blowing the shofar. And we'll, make, we'll talk more about it during the week. But this supernatural, spontaneous commando anointing came. And I don't rejoice that a man went to hell. I rejoice now that there's an open door. Hallelujah. Because this thing began in Jerusalem, it's going to finish in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. We'll talk more about it later. But the Lord then would send us to Wall Street and blow the shofar. We blew the shofar on February 15, 1995. And the Dow Jones that time was under 3,000. And suddenly it shot up, boom, boom, right after that, seven days after that. It shot up to 8,000 the last almost two years now. And the Lord said, we began to do these things. And I said, Lord, man, this is an incredible anointing. But it came in a secret, still, small voice. It's, you know, we look for the supernatural. So we look for the spectacular. We miss the supernatural. It's a still, small voice. I was like, Lord, this is incredible. And then he spoke to me. He says, I want you to leave your pastorate. 
in New York City. Put your Isaac on the altar, and I want you to turn the shofar, the trumpet, into the church. I said, okay. So we put everything in storage and hit the road. First meeting, 15 people was in it. Nowhere to go, just obeying God. Hallelujah. So three years from that, two years later, the Lord spoke to us to move to Tampa, base out of Tampa. We're out of the river there. Hallelujah. And just been running ever since then. Just a couple more testimonies, because pastors will come back up in just a moment. But the Lord spoke to us to turn the shofar into the church. And really, the shofar is used for three things this week. Number one, it's judgment. And, you know, that, that anointing's not here, so don't worry, okay? When that anointing's here, you know it, okay? And tell you the truth, it wasn't there last night. You know, some people want us to build a shofar at Mardi Gras before we came here, you know, for judgment. Give me a break. God loves those people, amen? Oh! The second thing it's used for is a reveille call. It's to wake up the army of God to go forward. And the third thing that's happened greatly, which God wants to do, pay off your building here, is for the year of Jubilee. The Hebrew word for Jubilee is Yuval. It's the same word for trumpet in the Bible. And so wherever we've gone, as that anointing comes, we build a shofar. Financial jubilee breaks out for God's people. People get jobs, I mean, creative ideas, promotions, I mean, houses that couldn't sell. So it's incredible, folks. And it's by your faith. Just reach out and grab it this week. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And under the reveille call, whenever God wants to do something new, he sends the trumpet call. And I believe we're kicking up into new realms of glory this week. The reason I know that, because Jubilee just broke out. Let me just share this with you real briefly. The book of Luke. Luke, chapter 7. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Luke, chapter 7. In verse 18, the disciples of John reported to him about all these things, summoning two of his disciples. John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the anointed one, or should you look for someone else? When the men had come, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the expected one, or the anointed one, the Messiah, or do we look for someone else? And at that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and granted sight to many who are blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Remember that, the dead are raised. The poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. So Jesus came in Luke chapter 4. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, which is the year of Jubilee. Jesus is the embodiment, hallelujah, of the year of Jubilee. He is the Jubilee. Hallelujah. It just happens that we're right now in Israel's jubilee, the first modern jubilee they've ever experienced in their modern history. It began at the blowing of the trumpet, the, blow, the blowing at Rosh Hashanah in October. In October, we were doing meetings in Quebec. And let me tell you, there's a French connection between French Quebec and, and New Orleans. The most unreached people's group in Western Europe is the French people. And I'm telling you, folks, we reached Quebec... We can reach all of, all of Europe, all of Central Africa. I'm telling you, the French people. Hello. And so the Lord sent us up to Quebec. You know, we began to do meetings up there. And it was during that time of Rosh Hashanah, Jubilee broke out. And I'm minding my own business. We're just having great services. People following the river, you know, extended meetings. And it was a Thursday night. And we're listening. The tape that you guys do here, the music tape, is going all over Quebec right now, all over Ontario, all over Canada. I send greetings from the saints up north to you guys. I'm telling you, to the musicians here, who played on that tape? I'm telling you, you guys have no idea what it's doing up there. Be encouraged. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we're there, and as you know, it's beautiful to watch musicians that are just, you know, stuck in a rut, listen to your, your music tapes, and just go off into new realms. 
And it was a Thursday night, and the Holy Ghost came on a bunch of guys that had never done this before. They started playing the drums, an hour and a half drum solo in the spirit. Just going back and forth, and it was wild. And I was totally inebriated on the stage. I was at that point where I feel like, you know, you, there's nothing hindering you, there's no worry, there's no concern, there's no fear, there's no anxiety, there's nothing. You're just like connected, like a little kid. You feel like you're sunbathing, S-O-N. You know, you're just taking it easy. And the pastor, a well-known French minister for over 20 years in Quebec, is stuck in the chair, and he's trying to get out, and he can't. And he's looking at me saying, it's never been like this ever in 20 years. I said, I know, I know, just relax. Chill out, it's going to be okay. You know, a lot of the religious people had left. It was just the people that were hungry that were there. You know, the temple police just had to leave, you know. They couldn't handle it. God bless them. A lot, a lot of the temple police fell in later that week. So anyway, I'm sitting there, and I'm just... All of a sudden, I feel Jesus standing on the stage next to me. I'm sitting here, and I open my eyes, I don't see him. It's not an angel, it's not anything like that. It's like Jesus... You know it when you know it, folks. And he's like standing right in front of me. And I open my eyes. And I close my eyes again. And I feel him come inside my heart and open up my heart like an, you know, pull back the layers like an onion. Just pulling back. Oh, Jesus. I feel it now just talking about it. Pulling back my heart to the very seat of my emotion, the very seat of my being, my conscience the very seat of who I am. And I feel getting downloaded into the hard drive of my heart. I feel this downloading happening. I feel this pain coming into me. But it's not a pain, a physical pain. It's not a sorrow. It's a pain of joy. It's his longing pain and desire. He can't wait to come and get us. He can't wait to come and drink with us. Think about it. The marriage supper of the Lamb is going to be one on your ear, on the floor, under the table party. Because Jesus said, I'll not drink this cup again till we drink it again in my Father's kingdom. So that means this new wine has been fermenting for 2,000 years. And I feel this love, this agape. I've never felt it like this before. Longing me. And how much he wants to be with us and party with us. You know what I'm saying? You know how it is in in these services? You just, you know. (laughs) You just can't cry enough. You can't scream enough, you know? That's why I I shared that Hebrew word about rena first. Because it's the deepest expression you can give to God. Scream. This is the same word that brought down the walls of Jericho. Hallelujah. This is the shout. Deepest part of you. Hallelujah. What a place to do it. What a beautiful building. Nice carpet. Nice sound system. They think you're crazy here already. Just go ahead and let go today. Hallelujah. There's a point why I'm telling this story. I'm going to finish this story here. Because we've been in thousands of meetings. You know, doing 300, 400 meetings a year the last three years. And it's wonderful. But what God is doing is from glory to glory, from faith to faith, He is metamorphosizing us. He's teaching us how to flow in the deeper realms of glory. Because that's what they need out there. We are not ministers of the new covenant, 2 Corinthians 3, unless we know how to flow in the realms of glory. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are, just dimensions, manifestations of that realm. Hallelujah. And you thank God when they happen here, but even more out there. And so I'm in this chair, and I'm totally inebriated, and Jesus is just downloading. I'm I'm having over, I'm getting a new motherboard, folks, from the mainframe of heaven. And I remember driving home about 3 o'clock in the morning, 
down the highway about 30 kilometers an hour. Nobody was out. Just weeping and crying and laughing. We have services for the next three days. I have to run back to another revival that's going on in Saskatoon. And Steve Solomon's getting ready to join us there. And uh, so I'm rushing off early one morning to Montreal Dorval Airport. Still kind of tingling from that sensation, that experience three days earlier. Oh, my, my, I can feel it right now. I couldn't sleep, folks. It was like last night. You know, last night I couldn't sleep. And, and, and every time I tried to sleep, I felt miserable. Every time I would wake up, I felt rested. And then I, the Lord says, get up right now. And I got up all of a sudden. Go, boom. Did you hear that thunder last night? Oh, Lord, God. I feel this turbine inside of me about these meetings this week. So I couldn't sleep this early Monday morning. Got up and prayed. Rushed off to the airport. I'm driving down uh, the expressway to Montreal Dorval Airport with a, a Christian businessman. We're going down the road early in the morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, and a woman in front of us loses control of her automobile. And she slams into a guardrail uh, right before the Montreal Tunnel. And we're the, the third car there. We pull up right behind her. And look at this. Look, look how hard your heart could still be. I said to myself, well, let's just go ahead and pull around her. These other cars will help her. I'll miss my flight. I hadn't eaten for a couple days. I was tired. I wanted to go home and see my family. You know what I'm saying? Let's just go. I'll miss my flight. Just get around her. That was my first impression was, you know, what is this, a delay, a pothole in the road? God, forgive me for my attitudes. And so we pulled up to the car, and we know somebody was in the car. What's going on here? As we pulled around the other side of the car, and there was a woman, her head hanging out the passenger window, instantly killed. A huge guardrail, she hit the guardrail, and the guardrail went through the window and through her face. She was instantly killed. And folks, I have to tell you the graphics because you got to understand the miracle. Hallelujah. That her whole eye was gouged out, her face was totally, you know, like a pancake. Instantly killed. Head hanging out the window. When we saw that, I, she had a big hole in her head. When I saw that, I, I, I almost got sick to my stomach. We pulled up. It was, you know, it was like Friday the 13th or something. I saw when I was, you know, unsaved. I was like, ah. And no, not myself or anybody else or any of the other cars wanted to get out. That's how bad it was. So finally we got on the cell phone, called the police. And we got out of the car and walked up to her and examined her. She was dead. There was no blood. She was not breathing. And uh, she was turning purple. And we just, I mean, to think, and this is the same week that Princess Diana died. And I felt that sorrow. Like, you know, you could feel the spirit of death there. I was like, man, maybe she has kids that she just kissed goodbye and she's on her way to work and doesn't even know that mommy's dead. And I could tell by the way she was dressed that she wasn't a believer, or at least when she was backslidden, if she was. And I just began to cry. I said, God, you know, another one. You can almost feel the glee of Satan, you know. We got another one. Pulled another one down. And folks, I, had, I didn't feel any anointing. I wanted to get out of there. The police finally arrived. The first two officers came, examined the body, and just shook their heads and walked away to direct traffic. They even tried to revive her. The third officer came. At that time, there were some truck drivers standing next to us. We're trying to witness to them. They wouldn't even listen to us. These police officers came. The commanding officer from the precinct came and examined her and just shook his head. He knew she was dead. Went back to his squad car to get a body bag. And when he went back to get the body bag, I knew that was it, you know. The ambulance was coming. And then suddenly, the Thursday night experience kicked in. Oh, jeez. Oh. See, what happens in these meetings is that we're getting downloaded. And you don't even know it. I don't even know what's happening, what God's doing inside of us. He's putting things inside of us. Hallelujah. He's getting that, us to that place where it's that every valley in our hearts being lifted up. All those wounds and rejection and fears coming out. And he's bringing out every mountain of pride and ego and self-sufficiency until there's a level place. And then the glory of the Lord's going to appear through us. 
That place. You know what it is when you're in that carpet, you're on the carpet, you know? In that place we were during worship, my father's house. Oh, just stay in that place. Suddenly it kicked inside of me. I began to feel. All of a sudden I had a flashback from Thursday night. And I felt the love of God coming about of me. And suddenly, like Jesus was moved with compassion. I was moved with a supernatural love, a longing pain for this woman's soul. And we began to pray for her. As we began to pray, suddenly she went like big guardrails on top of her. She's all like this. Suddenly she goes, and comes alive. Oh! And I scream, arena, as loud as you can imagine. I scream, she's alive! And the two drug drivers run off. <laughs> they got scared. They just took off. Because it was scary, man. You, just, you look at the woman's face when she comes alive. <laughs> and we just ran up to the car. And I, she began, all the air began to come up out of her nasal. Because she was missing part of her, her nose here. And all the air was coming up and blood was coming up. It was the first time I was so excited to see so much blood coming up. And she was trying to talk to us, and we began to lead her to Jesus. And then just to make sure, my buddy led her to, to, to Jesus in French. Hallelujah. Just to make sure. And she was trying to talk to us, but her whole face was demolished. Hallelujah. And then the police officer, not knowing what had happened, walked up, unfolding the body bag, probably waiting to go and eat his Tim Hortons donuts, you know. Walked up and went, huh! Like that. I said, don't put it on her. She's breathing. She's alive. She's alive. Look at this. And he goes like, you can see it. You can see his heart hard. He goes, well, she's going to die anyway. You know, probably saw that, you know, every week, you know, in his job. I looked at him, and this supernatural boldness came on me. I'm a gentle person, but it came on me. And I looked at him, and I says, don't put that on her. I said, I know what your job is, but this is my job. Hallelujah. And he just went, yes, sir. Yes, sir. He backed off. Hallelujah. And so he backed off. (laughs) Folks, see, even as I'm sharing this, faith is coming in your heart to go out and do the same. Because I'm a nobody. We're all nobodies. <sighs> so we're, we're talking to her. We're, you know, we're, we're loving on her. We're just so excited, you know, and we're trying to want to push this beam off her shoulder. You know, we can't do it. It's, you know, and we're there, and, you know, we're talking, and people say, well, was she, was she really dead? Well, you go out and run your car into a guardrail, you know, 50 miles an hour. Let it go through your head, and let's see how you live, you know. I mean, give me a break. And so I looked, and I looked, and I, I was actually looking in the floorboard of the car and on her lap for her eye, because her eye was gone. It was just an empty socket there. You could stick your finger down in it. It was starting to fill up with blood. Now, before, it was not filled up with blood. And I was looking for her eye all over. And it was, you know, I was almost laughing. I was saying, Lord, you know, I, there's no sense in her getting a glass eye, because I was thinking if they give her a glass eye, it may not be the right color, you know, and her kids will you know, see the difference. <laughs> So I just laid hands on her, and I said, I didn't touch her, I just put my hand right next to her, her eye, and I said, God, give her a new eye. And that's when the ambulance came, and we had to get out of there, paramedics had to come and pull her out of the car. So anyway, to make a long story short, I had to fly back to Saskatoon, and uh, I called my friend back, and he says, um, I called the police department, she's dead. I said, what? She can't be dead, I'm carrying her in my spirit the whole flight back to Saskatoon, she's not dead. He goes, I'm telling you, she's dead. And so the next day, the, the newspaper comes out, Montreal Journal, I have it right here, the picture. Only color picture in the entire journal shows this woman being carried out in a stretcher, still alive. I said, she's got to be alive. So we called the police department, they said, oh no, she's dead. So what are you talking about, dead? And so his secretary called back, and she said, well, I'm calling for my boss, uh, sir, can you please tell us where the, the body is? And they, my boss and another man were, prayed for this woman, 
uh, early Monday morning, and they, the police officer said, oh, we know who you are. You're the cult members. <laughs> what? Cult? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. She's dead. Click. So what happens in, you know, in French Quebec, if you're Catholic, if you're not Catholic, you're considered a cult, okay? And what had happened was the police officers, this officer was so taken back and got so offended by how I yelled at him and told him in authority to get back that he circulated throughout his friends, other officers, and they all were joking about us. Oh, yeah, she's dead. She's not alive. Give us a break. And there was a spirit-filled woman police officer who heard the conversation. And she traced the call back to my friend's business and said, I can't tell you anything except she's in such and such hospital. That's where the body is delivered. Go check it out. Click. So, so my buddy, he, went, he drove over there, walked in there, walked up to ICU, sees a family crying, walks up to him, and it's, it's the family. And finds out she's alive. What had happened is that, the, remember the, the three police officers? The first two had gone back, must have gone back and written the report saying she was dead, a fatality. And, you know, had, you know sent that into the office, you know, and went home off their shift, not knowing that she was raised from the dead like 20 minutes later. Oh! She yeah. And so what happened is the police department called eight hours later the family and said, come identify the body. Can you imagine that? Getting a call saying, come identify the, you know, the body of your daughter. They get there and she's alive. Can you imagine the pendulum of emotions swinging? Whew. And so my buddy's there and he tells this story to the family. And the family breaks down and says, no, you're her savior, you're her savior. He says, no, not me, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, hallelujah. And then the medical team walks in and describes, we're, we're very happy, we just get a, a full CAT scan on her, she's going to be fine. We thought that she had massive brain damage. She, she's going to be fine. We just have to do, reconstruct her, her bones here. And the most exciting part is that there's no damage to her right eye. Oh, Rena, I tell you. And Henry says, what eye? What are you talking about? I said, oh, no, her eye is fine. So apparently, in between the ambulance trip and getting to the ER room, God put a new eye in her head. I'm a witness, folks. I am not exaggerating. This is the truth. Jesus. So we visit her several times now. And I walked in the room, and when she looked at me with that new eye, I, I, I couldn't handle it. <laughs> Jesus. 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 So let's get so unglued and so marinated this week that the Lord can download. There's no static interference from the AM frequency in the brains. Hallelujah. Let's get on FM stereo. Hallelujah. Let's let the Lord do things inside of us this week in these meetings as we teach about the glory realm. You know, as, as ministers, um, a lot of times you, have, you operate by faith in the beginning to believe God for a message on Sunday. Amen? And then once you graduate and learn how to get received from God, then you begin to believe God for faith, for miracles and healings and deliverance and for the people you minister to on a daily basis. Amen? But what the Lord's moving us all toward is having faith for a visitation of the glory cloud upon a whole region. Hallelujah. And what I've learned in this revival is not to do healing meetings all hyped up like we've seen it in the past. You understand? Just let the Lord spontaneously. My job is to get out of the way so much and let the Lord be in to touch people spontaneously. That way no credit goes to a man but to him, because he will share his glory with no man. <laughs> Amen? So just have your expectors open. Glory to God. 
Glory to Lord, where do we go from here, Father? Isaiah 40, glory to God. Isaiah 42, verse 5. Thus says God the Lord, who stretched the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord, and I've called you in righteousness. Thank you, Papa. I've held you by the hand to watch over you, and I'll point you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations. To open blind eyes and bring out prisoners from the dungeon. And those who dwell in darkness from the prison. I am the Lord, that is my name, and I'll not give my glory to another. Nor my praise to graven images or to idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. How many people are ready for the new thing God's doing? It's a continuation of what he's always been doing since Genesis 1. Hallelujah. <laughs> but it's a new wine. It's the new birth. Hallelujah. It's the new Jerusalem. It's new wineskins. It's, it's everything's new. His mercies are new. And I've been asking the Lord, Lord, what's next? The next shifting the gear in this revival. And he told me it's the visitation of my glory. Hallelujah. The one thing that will stop us or abort this visitation is verse 8. I am the Lord, that is my name. I'll not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. And I said, Lord, you know, this thing is so precious, you know, because I, as we travel and we're doing meetings now, I'm seeing ministers that touch to glory unknowingly and they reach a plateau in their ministry and just hum, hum along, you know. Or some of them, some of them are going backwards. And I said, Lord, I, I, I want to run the race. I don't, I'm not bowing down before any idols. Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, I know you're not bowing down before idols, but there is an idol in your heart. That's keeping you from entering into the deepest part of my Shekinah glory. I didn't understand something. Just a few more things I want to say here. The word Shekinah, you know about the word Shekinah, right? It's the word Shekhan in Hebrew. The glory, the presence of God. The word shekhan is neighbor in Hebrew. That's where we get the word shekinah, meaning the glory of God wants to be in our midst like a neighbor. Whenever the glory of God manifests in the Bible, it's in three relations, either in relation to the temple, the tabernacle, or God's people. It doesn't appear anywhere else outside of that. So God's glory, his Shekinah, wants to hang out with us closer than a neighbor. But what will abort that visitation, manifestations of his glory, is idolatry. Amen? So let's look at what idolatry is. One last scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And I believe that I feel the refiner's fire moving this direction right now. 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22. Samuel comes out to meet backslidden King Saul and says Samuel said has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than fat of rams for rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is the sin of idolatry and the lights came on the elevator came to the top floor. I understand what the Lord's saying. For us to move into this next thing is we've got to remove all stubbornness out of our hearts. Amen? And it's not the big things. It's really the little foxes, you know? Not willing to yield when the Spirit moves. You know, I looked up the word idolatry in the Webster's Dictionary. The word right after it is idiosyncrasy. And the word before it is Idiot. Look it up. Stubborn means to be unreasonable, inflexible, obstinate and willful, determined, persistent, difficult to control or handle. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Father, we just ask the refiner's fire moves through us this morning. Burn up the chaff in our hearts now, Father, so we can have a glorious visitation this week, Father. Break up the ground, Father, in our hearts even now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus and you've been willful, just close your eyes right now. If you're here and you've been willful, obstinate, perhaps you're in a situation where you're doing your own thing. And I know there's people here because I feel it in my heart. And we want to say we're not here to judge you, criticize you. We're here to love you and invite you to Father's house. Hallelujah. But one thing what Jesus wants, he doesn't want just to be your Savior. He wants to be your Lord. And to be the Lord of your life, you have to say, not my will, but your will be done. That's the place we're at right now in this revival. Amen? So that's you here today. Every eye closed, please. You're here today, and you've been obstinate. You've been willful. You've been running from the Father. Perhaps you're backslidden. Perhaps you've even got permafrost in your heart. You know, permafrost, it can grow some green vegetation on the topsoil, but right underneath, a meter underneath, is a hard layer of ice. And people know that you're a Christian. They go to this church here. People know that you love the Lord. But when you go home and you go out there and you do other things during the week, you know that permafrost is there, and you want the Lord to melt that this hour. Hallelujah. And that's you. Lift your hand. Bless you. Bless you. Who else? You're backslidden. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Perhaps you would like to come to know Jesus. Saints pray. Hallelujah. There's a, there's a war right now, a tug of war for people's souls right now. You're here. You do not know Jesus. Lift your hand. I beg you, don't wait. This is the day. Lift your hand up high so we can see you. Bless you. Who else? Hallelujah. The second call, you have permafrost in your heart. You've been stubborn. You've been obstinate. Hallelujah. And you want God to melt that. Lift your hand up high. Don't be ashamed. Bless you. I'm glad all these men are lifting their hands. Glory to God. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Perhaps you've been serving the Lord faithfully. This is the third call. You've been serving the Lord faithfully. But when I read that scripture, those two scriptures, you all of a sudden went, hmm, inside. You've been wondering, hey, I've been tithing for years. I've been faithful in church for years. I've never seen them be raised from the dead. Maybe it's because you haven't allowed the Lord to do the final lobotomy on your will. Glory to God. And today you just say, you know what? I'm going to turn over a new slate today. I'm going to break up the, the fallow ground of my heart because I want to go in all the way. Hallelujah. You know, not being hungry for more of God is, is a form of idolatry. You know, I know people haven't eaten. I haven't eaten, but I'm going to let my body and my belly be my God right now. And I'm not not trying to stretch out this surface either. I'm just telling you that I know in my spirit there's people here that you got got ants in your pants right now. You're just waiting for the service. I can smell the brake pads right now. Because you got your feet on the brakes. You're wanting this thing to hurry up and wind down so you get ready for the night. Folks, let's not be in a hurry. Ho! Jesus. Those who lifted their hands, just stand to your feet. You lifted your hands, stand to your feet. Bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you. There should be more standing. I'm just going to wait a few more moments. You know there's permafrost in your heart, or you're backslidden, you've been running from the Lord. Now's the time to stand. Young people, teenagers, yes, bless you, young man. Who else? Bless you. I'm glad you glory to God. Perhaps you have scar tissue of religion in your heart. Perhaps you've been in church before and you got burned by religion, by whatever. And you have had a hard time entering in because you're guarding your heart because of fear of getting hurt again. Perfect love drives out all fear. If that's you, stand up. Bless you. Man, all these men standing. Glory to God. For those who are standing, I just want to say I love you. I've been where you've been before. I've been there. 
And I just beg you today, let it go. Let the past be the past at last. As I blow the shofar, just let the Lord begin something new in you. It'll start out in seed form. It'll grow to be a sapling until eventually it'll become the greatest tree in your garden. Hallelujah. Let the refiner's fire burn as the shofar is sounded. Hallelujah. Notice how the anointing's changing, folks. Great praise and worship, my father's house, and the rejoicing, and the time of testimony. Now it's different now. Learn how to catch it. This is a refiner's fire anointing right now. It's here to burn that stuff out of you. Those who are standing, please come forward. If you're in your seat and you're being touched, come forward now. You're going to feel a cleansing fire. Come forward now. Hallelujah. Just come and gather to the front. Whoop. My father's house. We have ministry team people or workers to come help us. Who here accepted the Lord for the first time? Just Who is the lady who lifted her hand? Accepting the Lord for the first time? Where'd she go? Hallelujah. Just let the Lord burn you right now. Just let him just drop a match on that sea of kerosene. This is not a work of man. This is a work of the Spirit. You know, what I sense in my heart by the word of knowledge is that many of you, the problem is you don't know the Father's love deep enough. Because once you know the Father's love, you'll go the extra mile. You'll go all the way. You'll take the bungee jump. So this is the time. Let the Father download his love into your heart right now before hands are laid on you.
very powerful. It's a refiner's fire. Receive it, folks. It's out of your hearts, not your heads. Thank you for being a part of Rivers in the Desert International, listening to our message today to you. Perhaps you have a friend, perhaps yourself are sitting there and wondering, where would I go if I died today? We'd like to give you a great privilege of praying with us and leading you to a knowledge of Jesus the Messiah. The Bible says if any man or woman would call upon the name of Jesus, they would be saved. The Greek word for saved is healed, delivered. It's a wonderful promise. You're there now in your automobile, perhaps at home listening. Go ahead and pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of my sins. The Bible says, if anybody would call upon your name, they'd be saved. I'm calling today, Lord. Save me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Take all of my sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. Father, I'm coming, running home to you now. In your name I pray, amen. If you'd like to contact us in our ministry, you may do so by writing us at Rivers in the Desert, P.O. Box 2788 in Alpharetta, Georgia, 30023 in the United States of America. Our ministry phone number is 770-777-0143. Of course, you can reach us anytime, 24-7, at our website contact page at www.flashfloods.com. Looking forward to hearing from you. We are here to help equip you to be tactical warriors in this hour, to wake up this church, to win and disciple lost souls, and to take out terrorism of all forms. God bless you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Shalom, shalom. Shalom.